And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Ports on with you on a sunny Friday morning. Allison Lucan is here. Good morning. And have we got a special guest for you? I think we could all use a a little energy, a little optimism, a little sunshine right now. I don't know that I've ever met anybody in hockey that's got more bounce in his step. Uh, I think Allison will agree with me. Uh, then Blue Jackets assistant coach Kenny McCudden, who is with us today. Kenny, thanks so much for being here. How are you, fine sir? I'm doing well back here in Chicago, and thank you for that, that introduction. Uh, you described me perfectly. <laughs> uh, I try my best. I try my best. No, doing, well, doing well. Yeah, well, it's great to have you. Um, I, you're probably in the same boat as a lot of us, if not more so, where uh, they're obviously they're putting aside if we can the gravity of this situation and how important all this is it's just really strange in this springtime to not be at the rink right now and you are a, as big a rink rat as anybody you've spent most of your life in a rink what's this like for you just the the being away the 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 missing the smell the feel the energy of a rink on a daily basis is just is this still surreal even now that we're almost a month into it yeah, it really is. I, I, I find it uh, an extremely sad time. I mean, uh, I get up very, very early. Uh, haven't been sleeping well since we've been away for about three weeks here. Yeah, it is three weeks. And getting up at 5 in the morning usually and reading the BBC and trying to keep on the keep up on the worldly news, and I just find it a sad time. And then I connect that with uh, our Chicago news here and keep up on that, and then I do my workouts and 
try to get outside a little bit around the house, whether it's in the garage, uh, whether it's in the backyard doing some yard work. And uh, But the basement's a big place for me right now with workouts. I try to devote an awful lot of time since we're not skating to uh, getting on the stationary bike and uh, keep on, keeping up on the toning a little bit for what I do with my program. But, yeah, it is a very, very surreal time and uh, a sad time for us all globally. Yeah. Uh, are you staying in touch with players at, at this time? Is that is this how this works? I know this is the first time through something like this for almost everybody. It's kind of like a lockout in the sense that there's no certainty as to when it's going to end. Um, a lot sadder than a lockout, though, as you mentioned. Do you stay in touch with people? What's the daily communication between you and the players in the club? No. Well, as far as coaches, uh, we do speak uh, We'll get on some threads and talk uh, with, with texting here and there. And uh, I've had communications with Torts and a, a lot with Lars uh, as far as on the phone. But uh, uh, player-wise, uh, the only two players I've kept in touch with is Cam, uh, since he had a, a baby boy, Caden, just recently, and, yep. and Nikki Felino, our captain. But uh, as far as uh, calling and going out of my way with uh, with players at this time, I'm, you know, I, I really believe in, in some ways where, and I, I might be guilty for this, uh, uh, reaching out to an awful lot of people. Uh, I don't want to interfere with their uh, their privacy and their private lives right now, too, at the same point, that whether it's our players or whether it's personal friends. And uh, it's an awkward time, but uh, where I find myself guilty is just checking in on people. But uh, uh, And it's nice to be checked in on, too. Um, you know, I've had people uh, from all walks of life checking in on me, and I think, uh, you know, those are the type of people you don't forget about at this time. Yeah. Kenny, you're an interesting guy. Your background, your your path to the NHL. Um, you you tend, you, you're kind of a Swiss army knife for the Blue Jackets. How would you describe, if someone's, you're an assistant coach, of course, but when you meet somebody at, on the street in Columbus and they say, what is your role with the Blue Jackets? How could you possibly describe what you do to people? Is it a, is it a lengthy conversation or do you, are you able to distill it pretty quickly? First of all, sometimes it's nice to walk down the streets and and not be known, whereas <clears throat> here in Chicago I'm known quite a bit uh, because of my background and the years spent here in Chicago. So it's a little different here in Chicago. But uh, if I had to describe what I do is um, I try to take uh, a little brunt off the, the rest of the coaching staff. And I, what I mean by that is I really believe by December 1st uh, it really comes through, whereas you know, Torts can have his meetings at the hotel and tries to keep players away from the rink. And, you know, Shawsey can go over his PK. Uh, Paul McClain can go over his PP. And Torts and, and, and Lars with their five-on-five five and all that. And uh, here I am with players that uh, are uh, being scratched for the night and uh, healthy scratches. And I can uh, still operate a skate or even an optional. So if we do meet at the rink, uh, I'm usually leading the optional if it's especially only uh, five to eight or nine players. But, no, my role uh, is uh, to take players out early in the morning. Uh, love taking six, seven guys out pre-practice uh, for about 25 minutes with a spare goaltender with Seeley ba- uh, Bailey Seagraves. And, uh, so we're not using our, 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 our goaltenders. And uh, getting these players ready for a practice, and usually uh, those six, seven, eight players are usually uh, ready, ready to go because Torts uh, – is usually ready to go instantly once our practice starts. But uh, uh, then I think that the coaching staff really depends on me big time. Uh, 
obviously with a split. Uh, when Shawsey takes the D, I take the forwards, and then I love being on the ice, whether it's a half hour or, or even an hour. Torts can say that practice is over and guys uh, will still uh, stick around with myself and Larson Bowler, and uh, we'll go an extra half an hour, sometimes 40 minutes, but that's our job, and that's what I love. And um, you could keep me at the ring at the rink ports uh, for three hours, four hours. I, I don't care. It's, you know, on ice is even better than being off ice. So uh, I don't care about the time on the ice. I love it. Yeah. Those healthy scratches, Kenny, that can be such a difficult thing. Um, and there's a lot of coaches that could bring them through the, just the getting their, their sweat up, getting their heart rate up, sorry, uh, getting the blood going, as, as Torts likes to say. I feel like you provide a little bit more to them than just that. And, and I wonder how important you, you feel like your energy level is, the pep in your step, how much you try to give them uh, with that in terms of the morale boost as well. Well, I think that's a great question. I think every staff needs a guy that uh, could put their arm around a player. Obviously, a player's not happy if he's a healthy scratch, and I believe I'm the right coach for that. And uh, uh, obviously, I'm not a bench coach. and. Uh, I know my role, uh, as Torts calls it, being in your lane. Uh, I know what my lane is, and I try to be there for the players as much as I can. Um, you know, I think I've come a lot, across a lot of coaches that have said, you know, Kenny, you do things that players like. Well, you know, at, at, at the same same point, uh, I'm not there to reinvent the game. But, uh, yeah, if I can get guys through a healthy skate, and the bottom line is throughout my career, Torts players have realized how much respect I have for them as an athlete especially at the high level, and uh, they read that. And, uh, you know, as far down a player can be, I know for a fact a player doesn't mind being with me by the end of the day. They, they realize that uh, they get out of their bad mood very, very quickly with me because I'm going to be upbeat. I'm going to become uh, that, that, that coach that, uh, again, I use the words of uh, putting, uh, putting your arm around the player. So they, they feel that, that, that they've been respected and they're with the right coach. Kenny, we always marvel because you talked about how you like to work with players maybe after that structured practice, and, and players are always peppering it in. You know, I worked with Kenny on this one thing, or Kenny helped me with this. Mm-hmm. Can you just share with us how that comes about? Like, when are there times that you say, hey, do you want to work on this? Or how does a player approach you about a specific area of their game that they would like to improve? Well, that's uh, the great part of my job, Allison, is uh, – you know, you'll have guys, we'll come off an airplane at uh, 1230 at night back in Columbus, and we'll have a late skate the next day at 12 o'clock, but we'll be walking back to our car, and uh, he, here you'll have a player say, hey, Kenny, how about tomorrow morning before we, we take the ice? I mean, guys are guys are wanting a little of this, a little of that, in all in different ways. Uh, and then some guys will approach me in the morning, Kenny, I need to be with you. But, Allison, we kind of keep it open in a way where, we really change it up. Uh, there's days where we will assign players uh, because you know, we feel that they need it. And then there's days we'll just put uh, a, a blank line of six or seven spaces on the board and let guys first come, first serve, fill it in. But uh, then I, I also like just going to, uh, you know, uh, Nikki Felino. I say, Nikki, you know, got to see your line here in the next couple of days. And you put their line out there. And the same thing with the decor. You'll you'll put three or four D men out there, and but uh, um, then you get the guys nearly every day that want to go. Whether it's ten minutes, twelve minutes, uh, Zach Wierenski. Uh I look at Zach as a, not only as a high end pro and 
going to, you know, he is a premier player and he's only going to get better, but this is a guy that wants touches all the time. So Z and I have a special connection, even over the summertime when I visit him at least twice in, uh, in Ann Arbor, not Ann Arbor, I'm sorry. Yeah. In Ann Arbor. Um, uh, I was going to say Traverse city, but, uh, <laughs> uh, we, we just got a, a, a we got a terrific, uh, relationship because he just wants constant touches. He wants the feel of the puck, whether things are going right or whether things are going wrong for Z. So, uh, everybody's got a little bit of a different take on it all. And uh, uh, then you get the players that try to hide once in a while. And then uh, you have to let them know that they should be going with you. So uh, uh, we keep everybody active with it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And Kenny, you're, you're infamous among those of us who pay attention for all the creative ways that you come up with drills or ways to address areas of the game without infringing on your, your trademark ideas. Are there, this pause isn't anything anyone wanted, but are there things that aspects of the game that you're thinking about right now that you'd like to tackle and find new ways to help players improve? Yeah, there is. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now with these video conferences. Uh, I'm doing video conference calls uh, throughout the States right now with friends that are directors of hockey programs. So what we do is we put, uh, all their coaching staff on the line. Uh, we use the, the, the Zoom app, and uh, mm-hmm. you can get as many as 50 coaches. And we cover everything. We cover everything from learn to skate to John Tortorella. And, uh, uh, I mean, the questions are, are unbelievable and fantastic. And I'm enjoying that. And right now I'm organizing one with uh, a uh, hockey club out of the Netherlands right now. And uh, I'm looking forward to that one. But going back to your original question with trying to be, do something differently – I'm not a video guy, Allison, as far as, I mean, I will study it. I will watch it on the plane an awful lot and see things that players are doing right and seeing things that we need to correct a little bit. But uh, I'm all about what a player does so well. And I think that's where I've been successful with players, that I try to keep on working on the successful things. I mean, what makes a player really a solid player at the junior level, college level, or pro level well, you know what, let's keep at that, but let's make it a little bit better. Let's bring it up the pace. Let's bring uh, the reps up a little bit higher, uh, that type of thing. But uh, not changing I, – I, I'm never there to change a player's style uh, in any way. Uh, I don't want to do that at all. Uh, I like to work around the player. So very similar to, I guess, a goaltending coach. Uh, you're, you're, you're hopefully uh, not going to strip down a player's uh, skill set because – Obviously, they wouldn't be in the NHL, in the National Hockey League, if, uh, if you had to strip their skill set down. So if we could tweak things here and there and work around their skill set, that's what I'm trying to do. Gotcha. And, and you talk about working with other coaches. One of the things I love to bug you about, and maybe we don't get enough time to talk about, is you've worked with so many of the elite women athletes. Can you just share what that experience has been like? I know Kendall Coyne Schofield is, is one of your favorites and, and what you see in those athletes in that game that, that maybe deserves more attention from the hockey community. And that's a great question also, because that's a question I've been having on these video conference calls. That's a huge question about the women's game and what type of athlete they are. And uh, I describe them. They are, they are the national hockey league players of, of their game. Uh, they're at the highest, highest level. I'm sitting in my office right now, and I'm looking at my, my silver medal from Sochi, and it means an awful lot to me. I mean, it's huge. Uh, when, I, when we first uh, were issued these medals, it was the wrong color, obviously. It wasn't gold, it mm. was silver, but 24 hours later, I felt so blessed that uh, 
I was able to hold such a medal. And, and they're not the size of the players. They're the small, smaller medallions, but, uh, but we're the size technically of the old medals. But the ladies' game... I didn't know anything about until USA Hockey hired me, and uh, I was hired by Katie Stone. And Katie Stone is the Harvard coach, the most winningest female coach, and USA Hockey and, and Katie were the ones who hired me in Boston. I went into Boston one day. I was told that 30 people were up for this job, and by the time I landed back in O'Hare uh, within five or six hours because it was a quick turnaround as far as interview the same day and be back, USA Hockey told me I had the job. and uh, um, But the first question I had, Allison, when I stepped on the ice, we were in Quinnipiac um, for uh, skill sessions with the, with the ladies. And first question I had for Katie Stone was, are they girls or are they ladies? <laughs> and uh, because we call, we, we call the guys boys. Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. boys, you know. So that was my very, very first question because I had not been around the ladies at that level. And uh, – I'd only uh, worked with girls when it came to girls hockey here and there, and uh, she says, Kenny, they are ladies. So meeting the ladies for the first time, it was no different. you got to win over the vets. If you win over the vets with what you do as a coach, you're going to win over everybody else underneath them and, uh, because they're running the room and uh, uh, they're the engine of the practices and this and that. So it was an easy fit. I was there for three and a half years prior to Sochi, then brought to Sochi with the women's Olympic team and, um, we came up a little short, as you know, but the athlete themselves, they're phenomenal. They're quick, they're fast, um, they're dedicated, because their Stanley Cup only comes around every four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they work hard for that, for that, uh, that medal. And, uh, uh, but imagine, imagine practicing four years out. Obviously, they're playing in four nations and world championships and this and that, but they're really, really practicing for four years out and, and uh, it's an amazing goal what they go through, and um, you know, especially the ones that are post grads, because some of them are still uh, working at their jobs. Some of them are mothers, um, and then you know, the game is changing at their level too, where so many that are, you know, still in university are making the, the, the women's national team now because they're looking for speed and pace and the whole bit. But tremendous athletes. Uh, unforge- unforgettable uh, experience, and uh, um, when I uh, was inducted into the Illinois Hockey Hall of Fame January the 26th there, I rattled off all of their names, uh, the ladies that I was with, because that's what they meant to me. Uh, it, it, it more or less changed uh, my life a little bit going to the rink. You know, Ports has talked about me being enthusiastic and this and that. Uh, sometimes you get a little uh, stale once in a while, and I think I was a little stale in my career at that time, spending so many years in the in the minors and trying to get to the National Hockey League and uh, with what I do. And I think the ladies, uh, I don't think, I know for a fact that the ladies program and the Olympics rejuvenated me, so that's why I mentioned them all during my speech. Kenny, I can't, uh, I, I, I can't even put into words how incredible your path is to the NHL. Can you just tell people how... That happened. You worked for I can't even remember how many miles you put in your on your car. I think you had a total, like average, forty thousand miles, fifty thousand miles a year in your car driving around Chicagoland, teaching kids how to how to play hockey, working with guys in the off season. What was that crazy number you had? Well, it's uh, it was a little less than that. I could never lease a car because I put so much mileage on a car, <laughs> so I always had to buy my car. But 
my passenger seat was an office. Uh, I may as well have a, had a printer in the passenger seat because traffic here in Chicago is awful. I mean, uh, probably for 30 years I was in my car an average of five hours a day um, to get from one place to the next. So 30,000 miles um, with stop and go and, you know, an hour trip turns into two and a half hours uh, even on a normal sunny day sometimes in Chicago because rush hours all day long. But uh, wintry days and rainy days, yeah, I'm not exaggerating. You're in the car for four to five hours a day. But, yeah, start my day off in in, uh, in the American Hockey League or the IHL days with the Chicago Wolves, uh, be on the ice with those guys all day long. Then I would do AAA uh uh, privates with groups that uh, I don't know how these kids were able to get out of school at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but I'd work from 2 to 4. <clears throat> then I would drive to a Starbucks out where I was working that day and get there as early as I can because if I got caught up any later with a, with a window not working for me, you'd get stuck in traffic for another hour and a half. But So you'd race out to a Starbucks uh, to be close to the rake, and then I would get on the ice from basically 5 o'clock to 10.30 every night, and I did that for 30 years, and uh, turned out to be 125,000 kids. Um, uh, I, I tallied that up. I might be over 1,000. I might be under 1,000, but I know I'm right there, uh, you know, basically with 125,000 kids. And, you know, summer months, summer months we're traveling still uh, with all your pro players, college players, junior players, had an awful lot of players living in my home during those years. You take a guy like Brad Larson. Brad Larson was uh, really a, a wonderful guy supporting me and getting getting me through a lot of doors, especially with like the Atlanta Atlanta Thrashers at that time. I mean, he would come here, live here for two weeks at a time in my house in Chicago, and then bring me every single year to wherever he was playing. Um, and I remember the most memorable times being in Atlanta. But then, you know what, he would handpick five, six, seven guys and uh, handpicked the goaltenders. And, you know, those are, those are the kind of memories that are terrific because you remember players like that investing in their career. And Lars was terrific with that. And uh, I used Brad Larson uh, as an example, but there were many because uh, obviously our audience knows who uh, uh, Brad Larson is. But, yeah, I had a, a, ter- a terrific path. And, Ports, I wouldn't change it. Allison, I wouldn't change it in any way. I would do it all over again had to have the, the you know the hip replaced four years ago and I always remember torts asking me uh what kind of kenny are we going to get back after the hip operation and that stuck with me a little bit Ooh. so uh that was a summer yeah that was a summer that uh that i worked uh so hard at i went 93 days uh, of rehab in a day uh, every day seven days a week uh hired a private uh therapist to be with me that understood the skating stride he ended up being a, a, a young guy that I originally taught when he was five, six wow. years old, all the way up until he was like 14. That's awesome. And then I, so I hired him, and everything that he taught me to do, I did in the afternoon by myself. So I did in the yard, I did in the garage, I did down the street. And uh, the big thing was, as long as tendonitis didn't uh, settle in where the incision was, I was fine. So I went 93 days, and then I said, you know what, this is like Groundhog's Day, uh, uh, I, I got to take a day off, and I finally took a day off. And uh, but that question, when Torts asked me, "What kind of Kenny are we going to have?" that 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 scared me for a lot of reasons. Because within 32 days, I was skating on the ice after a hip replacement, and it just didn't feel right. So I did everything in my power off the ice and on the ice 
to come back, and uh, I was ready for training camp. But to be honest with you, if I didn't do two a days for that many days in a row, uh, I would not have been the right guy. I know that for a fact. That's crazy. What so what was the kernel then that 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 allowed you to bridge the gap from this uh, very well known person, very highly respected person in Chicago? Tons of NHLers went to you and knew you, but what allowed you to take that step into the NHL with Columbus? Because when the day that the Blue Jackets hired you, um, I talked to people all around the league. They were like, "Oh God, how did how did my team let this guy?" end up there why didn't our team take that step to hire that guy how did it happen with columbus instead of any other place awesome question um first of all my name was always in the rumblings for for many many jobs in the national hockey league uh, for like 10 years uh some of them were just rumblings. some of them became interviews that i didn't get the job um some of them came to me and then you didn't hear back from them again uh the one I thought I might land uh, was the St. Louis job. I know uh, Hitchcock really liked what I did. Timmy Taylor, who played for Torrance and won with him in Tampa, he was uh, director of development there and uh, got a chance to work with Timmy Taylor a lot because of the affiliation with the Chicago Wolves in St. Louis. So here I thought I was going to get hired by St. Louis. I was brought into their development camp. Uh, I ran seven for the Avalanche, eight for the Thrashers, Three for uh, three for Columbus, and one for St. Louis. But the one for St. Louis, I thought was the one that was going to put me over the hump. And and they said, "Hang in there, hang in there. We're going to end up talking to you." And then I uh, got a call from Billy Zito and Yarmo and uh, Todd Richards at the time, and uh, they kind of it, it wasn't a circling back. Uh, maybe it was because they had talked to me the year before. And I want to backtrack because, and this is a subject maybe you want to talk about, I'll never forget Jared Bull, who's yeah. now part of our coaching staff. Uh, Bowler brought me in for at least six years. For you know, He would handpick the players. He would handpick, uh, again, anywhere between six to ten players, very similar to what Lars did. And uh, it was always in an empty building. It was always in uh, the ice house, empty building, and then Todd Richards saw me changing one day uh, in the locker room, and I never wanted to change in there. I said, I'm not part of the coaching staff. I'm not part of this hockey club, but it was the only place to dress that day. Otherwise, I usually dressed in the visitors' room or the vis- these little locker rooms that are underneath the stands near our benches yeah. at, uh, uh, at Nationwide. But th- this day, I happened to be in the coaches' room, and I basically was in the identical spot where my locker is today, and here came Todd Richards. Here came J.D., Yarmo, Billy Zito, and Billy introduced me to everybody, and they had watched for one hour, uh, and they wanted to know who this guy was. That was with Jared Bowl and the group, and Todd Richards met with me for three hours that day, and uh, wow. this is the year before I, the, the year I got, before, uh, before I got hired, the year before. So Richie sat with me for three hours, tried to figure out who I am, this and that, and he says, do you mind if we talk to the Chicago Wolves, we'd like to bring you in slowly, maybe for, you know, uh, weeks where we are practicing at home for a lengthy period of time. If if we had four practices in one week at home, could we, you know, we would love to bring you in. Well, it never happened. I'll tell you why it never happened. It became a similar season to the season that we have today with with our club today with man games lost um, 
and Richie just felt that it was the wrong time not to bring me in with the, 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 the normal team, a healthy team. He felt that since there were so many American Hockey League players there, they just had to do a lot of teaching themselves. But when I look back at it now, I think I would have been the perfect fit for that time uh, because you can see the amount of work that we had this year, all of us as coaches, to be able to turn a corner to where we are today. But, uh, no, it was Jared Bull that put me in front of uh, management who had put me in front of Richie, and I'll never forget Bowler for it because it took <laughs> it took six years as far as uh, for me to be seen by uh, by somebody passing through Nationwide, and that whole group uh, ended up seeing me. And I know Billy Zito wanted me in some capacity at some point in his career. And uh, I know Billy and and uh, probably convinced Yarmo and, and convinced J.D. And I think I convinced uh, Richie that I would be the right guy in the right position. But uh, uh, I've got one more story. You know, I think I want to say four years prior to that, I said no to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And that was with Scott Housen and Scott Arneal at that time. And I just, uh, I just didn't believe it was the right fit. I don't, I didn't believe it was the right time to leave, and that happened to me with a few other organizations that were trying to hire me at one point. But, uh, uh, you know, so I had my chances and lost them some way somehow. And then there's times where I feel like uh, I heard that I had a chance, but some way somehow I didn't have a chance. But uh, those are things that are out of your control. But uh, another one I thought I might have and I know it's a long, long answer, was in the 2013 lockout. Uh, I got hired from October through January the 3rd by the Blackhawks. And so I would leave Chicago Wolves practice, and uh, then at 1 o'clock, I'd, I'd literally be in my sweatsuit from 8 in the morning until 2.30 in the afternoon, driving with my sweatsuit on, my bag, because by the time I left Wolves practice and my day with the coaching staff there, I would race down with that traffic that we have here in Chicago, be on the ice, and I'd have as many as 10 to 18 players every single day. And we did three to four practices a week, again, from October 1 all the way through January the 3rd. And I, uh, I know for a fact I got a lot of press out of that. Um, you know, I was on the news an awful lot. And, and then uh, sat with players like Patrick Kane and Jamal Mears and uh, Jonathan Taze and they all said they were going to management about me and, and coaching staff about me to get me hired. And uh, they felt that after one week I was the right hire. So there was at least a dozen players that went to their management about me to get hired. And uh, I, uh, and they, those players met with me on a regular basis. They were asking me, would I leave the American league? Uh, what are my, my ambitions in life uh, as far as taking it to the next level? And, Obviously, uh, I was very, very excited the, the longer I went with Chicago Blackhawks at that time because uh, here I thought I was going to get hired by them and uh, never heard a word. So, uh, But the only word I did hear, which was a tremendous word, was after they won the Cup that year, I believe they came out 24 games in a row with a point. And yes. uh, something like that. And I remember telling my brother, my, my brother asked, how, how ready are the Blackhawks? And Joel Quenville asked me the exact same question, and I said, you know what, they're going to have an incredible start. I said, I bet you they win first four to six games in a row, and that's the way I left it. Well, I would have been a liar if I would have said that I knew they were going to come out the way they did 24 games with a point, but they did. They were prepared. I heard they were one of the only teams that was that prepared. Uh, they ended up winning the Cup, and a great, great story is 
within 48 hours of winning the cup, my, my phone was exploding by every single player with a text within 48 hours sitting back. And basically every text was that they didn't forget me. And uh, I awesome. guess that made up for never hearing from uh, uh, anybody else throughout the hockey club. The players were the most important uh, anyways to me at that time with the, with the thank yous. And uh, we did our job. I told Jonathan Taze that we did our job. So it was uh, another experience that you don't forget. So uh, yeah. a, a great, great time. Kenny, to that point, I know that you're, you are definitely not a person who's in this for yourself, but what, what are rewarding moments for you? Is it seeing a player attain a new skill? Is it a win? What are the moments where you say, there it is, that, that's why we put all the work in? Uh, the rewarding times are, they, what comes to mind right now is what we as coaches are going through this year. Uh, we're teaching continuously. Uh, we're all on the same page to to all want to teach. We have a coaching staff that are tremendous teachers. I mean, I, I'm a sponge every day being around Paul McClain, Torts, uh, Shawzy. I mean, the experience that they had throughout uh, their whole entire career, and you hear them around the round table talking, you can only be a sponge. But then you get the young guy like Lars, who's so progressive, and you see Bowler, who wants to get better every day, and Manny Legacy, a very, very progressive coach that his goaltenders love. But... Uh, what I get out of it, Allison, is when you could take, you know, uh, young players like uh, a Bemstrom, for instance, and uh, you, you, you work on little things, or the Robinsons, and you work on the little things. And the little things are really big things. I mean, what I mean by that is um, you, you might be adding to their skill set by trying to make their skill set better, but there are things that we as a coaching staff feel that they have to get better at. And here we depended on these players, obviously, with the, with the amount of injuries that we had. But I think the most rewarding thing is there was a practice that we had in Long Island this year. And uh, I remember it was a morning skate. And we were done with our morning skate within 17 to 20 minutes. And then the next thing I knew, I had 10 guys down on my side. And 10 of them, I believe, were American Hockey League players. Uh, all playing, and the guy that was, uh, you know, uh, Gerbs was leading the, leading it. He was the engine of it all, but I, I just, that day hit me where this wasn't our normal lineup, but this was a group of guys that realized that this was our culture and this was our identity, that you've got to pay the price, you gotta, you, 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 you've, you've got to punch the clock a little longer, and they just wanted to be on the ice, and I and, and longer and longer, and I, I I literally kicked them off within a half an hour, uh, <laughs> or by the half hour mark because I believe they would have been out there for forty five more minutes. But we had already skated as a group for twenty. But I only wanted them for ten or twelve, and Brad Larson and I had them that day. And uh, but it's days like that that are memorable, and they're exciting for me for the fact that you see yourself getting results uh, with what you're working on, and. Uh, uh, and that's where Lars Bowler and I are a good tag team working with the, with the younger players because you do see the results that you're getting, and we all add a little of something uh, and a little character from all our coaching styles to uh, to bring to these players. But this year, uh, it, it's been a high for me because it's really what I was hired for. I mean, uh, to bring these younger players along and put them in positions where my gosh, they've been put in the fire, and uh, they normally wouldn't be put there with our healthy players being in the lineup. They would be learning the game in, in uh, Cleveland, and uh, here we're throwing them in the fire and expecting them to be that player. 
and uh, it's it's been a a great year that way for me, and I'm sure the coaches will look back on this year the same exact way. Kenny, my final question for you: Do you ever sleep? You know, <laughs> somebody said to me the other day. <laughs> somebody said to me the other day, a president of a hockey club that I was with for 17 years here in Chicago. He says, Coach, you're always working. He goes, I heard you're doing all these video uh, uh, conference calls throughout the country with coaching staffs and being on the, uh, be, you know, doing your thing with, with all these coaches you've never met before. Uh, I don't want to sleep because I miss the game so much. So, like, three hours a day is, you know, in the, down in my little gym down in the basement. Now I've added stick handling pucks outside in the driveway and shooting pucks in the driveway. So I, I look, I look like the average eleven-year-old in the neighborhood now. So, uh, but Allison, to be honest with you, where I'm not sleeping right now is the crisis that we're in, and uh, it's nice to get away from it with the game that we're all involved in, and we're so blessed to be around. So when I do pull myself away from the crisis and try to engulf myself some way somehow with the game of hockey we're, we're so lucky and fortunate that we have that but uh really i'm not sleeping due to the crisis and uh trying to keep up on that and, and saddened by that but at the same point very very lucky that a game like hockey can still make a guy like me a little boy kenny i, I know you know the midwest well uh just wondering what it's been like for you living in columbus and what being a resident here at least a part-time resident has sort of revealed to you about this city, uh, the, the people, the hockey market, uh, the youth program, uh, just what it is as a, as a city, but also a hockey city in the time that you've spent here? Well, you know, if, if I was gone tomorrow, if I lost my job with Columbus, uh, tomorrow Columbus would be so memorable because I've seen it grow. Uh, my wife and I have not changed our apartment, which is 300 yards away from Nationwide in the Arena District. We love High Street. We love that it's a, a university town, very progressive town, uh, getting bigger and better all the time. I'm not interested in the suburbs um, as far as going out to Dublin or anything like that. I just love the city, and I love being able to walk to work. And uh, I think I could go to work every day with a piano off my back because it's so different for what I was used to here in Chicago, like when I spoke about living in your car. So I don't live in a car anymore. That's completely changed. And on days off, my wife and I will jump uh, in the car and take, uh, you know, a nice drive uh, 50 to 75 miles outside the city and check out our farmland and collect my antiques and things like that. But uh, we love it. We absolutely love it. Um, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right city. Uh, I'll never forget the, the Blue Jackets for giving me a chance and um, very, very happy. And, and one thing that, you know, where I know it's the right place, to watch this team in the last five years become what it's become is absolutely amazing from day one. So you got to realize I started my career 0-8 and yes. lost a terrific coach, lost a guy that brought me in with Todd Richards. So said goodbye to him at 7.30 in the morning and said hello to John Tortorella at 10.30 in the morning that day. And uh, actually took a ride with Torts uh, the following day, and that's how I really, really got to meet him. We had to go to a function, and we rode together. And the beauty about Torts is uh, you live by a couple of rules, and uh, the rules are easy, and the rules are stay in your lane and never go around them. 
And those <laughs> are easy, easy rules to live by. And, uh, um, and I'm with the right coach. I'm with the right organization. And, uh, you know, I use that word blessed. I, I'm very, very blessed. But my wife and I love everything from the city to what we, you know, have to, how we were involved, whether it's my wife with the lady jackets or myself as a coach. We are so fortunate, so lucky, and I, I know for a fact I'm with the right coaching staff, the right team, and when I look at that team, you know, starting with Nikki Foligno and working its way down to Cam Atkinson, Boone Jenner, Seth Jones, Wierenski, I mean, some of the greatest athletes that we have on that team, and uh, keeping that team together the way they've kept this team together this year uh, has been absolutely amazing, but it goes back to our culture, it goes back to our identity, it goes back to John Tortorella and Yarmo doing the right things for this hockey club and, and uh, getting us along the way we are. But to see us change every single year and to watch Torch coach this team probably three to four different ways in his <laughs> five years is an incredible thing to watch, too. And uh, I think this is probably one of his greatest years as far as how yeah. he's had to coach this hockey team. But we are I know I'm bouncing around, but I'm being very energetic. You asked a question about... What I think about the city, I had to throw in the team, who I work with, sure. and uh, I love I love the city. I absolutely love the city. Home is home. I mean, would I rather be in my apartment during this crisis? No, because an apartment doesn't have the space. Uh, being in my house here, I got my gym here. Um, I could take a ride around the block on my bike if I want, whatever the case is, because I love cycling. Um, but... Uh, I'm in the right place right now as far as during this crisis just to be at home because home is home that way. Yeah. Well, stay safe, my man. I know there are a lot of people here who feel blessed to have Kenny McCudden in Columbus, both with the city and in the with the Blue Jackets organization. We thank you so much for your time and uh, look forward to that day when we can all be together back there in Nationwide Arena. Kenny, thanks for being with us. Ports, thank you. Allison, thank you. You're, uh, I always have time for you in every way because I think you're, you're class acts, you're professionals, and uh, thank you very much for having me on. Well, Thanks, Kenny. Man. We'll talk to you soon, Kenny. Thank you. All the best. Thank you. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.